0: as hashtag uh, when you when when your vision is cloudy and we're going to look at a little recap from last week and then we're going to jump into today's lesson. All right. So you all ready? All right. Good. I like a little enthusiasm. That's good. So so at the top of your outline, as we talked about last week, and started this series, Hashtag Hope, we said, hope is not optimism. And so then I gave you a little kind of a definition of what optimism is. Optimism is psychological. Optimism is trusting personally in yourself. It's looking at life from what you can do. Uh, In your life optimism often denies reality because they don't see that they have the strength or the power to overcome obstacles and hardships in their life and so they look at the, the problems they look at the storms they look at the difficulties just from their own perspective and so as a result of that it causes a person to kind of want to deny reality. And act like things aren't bad, and things are, are wonderful, and if we just have good thoughts, good things will come our way kind of stuff. And the reality is, sometimes it isn't good. Sometimes it's just flat out bad, alright? And, and we, we can own that when we have hope, which is what we're going to talk about today. So optimism is what you think you can do. It's positive thinking, not permanent trust hope on the other hand is a little bit different hope is theological hope is personal trust in god hope is what you think or what you believe that god can do and we get that from 1 peter chapter 1 verse 21 which we looked at last week and it says through him who's the him Jesus all right uh, through or through god through through him you believed in god through jesus you believed in god right who raised him, who's the Him? Okay, from the dead and glorified Him. And so your faith and your hope are in? Not yourself. Not yourself, right? So if you look at that and understand that the hope that we're talking about, which we're going to look at through the series, is founded in the resurrection of Christ. That that, that our position in Christ is... Because of the resurrection, we celebrated Easter last week. Because of that, we have hope in life. We don't look at life through the eyes of ourself. What we can do, we look at what God can do in and through our lives. Now look with me in your outline. Miracles are to build your faith. So when Jesus performed miracles, which we'll we'll be looking at, uh, when He performed miracles, it was to validate that He was the Son of God, but it was also to build the faith of those who watched and who would hear stories of Him, which increases the hope that you have in your life. So as your faith grows, your hope increases. If you have little faith, you have little hope because you look at life through your own set of lenses in your life. So are we following okay? All right. So people who make these kinds of statements, it says a lot about their their situation and their condition and how they see life. When when people make statements like, "I just don't see how," okay, dot dot dot. I don't see how my marriage is going to be fixed. My kids are going to turn out. We're going to make it financially. I don't see how my career is going to uh, head in the right path. I just don't. I just don't see how, I'm not really sure how. Those are all statements of hopelessness in a person's life, okay? So if you make those statements, it it is an indication that you are looking at life through what you're able to do. And that's the context of your life and when you look at your own ability your own power your own strength your own whatever it is that you have you look at your situation if you look through those set of lenses you're right you don't know how because you don't have the ability because you're really thinking optimistic thinking it's what you can do in your life alright so in Matthew chapter 6 verse 22 here's what Jesus says Jesus says, the, eyes, uh, uh, the, the eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body is full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Okay. Now, when Jesus makes the statement here, he's not talking about physical sight okay? He's not talking about seeing from your physical, you know, the set of eyes that you have in your head, but he's, he's speaking about perspective. If your perspective is you, your whole life is going to be filled with darkness, right? Because that's how you look at obstacles, that's how you look at storms, that's how you look at life, through your own ability. But if you look at life through the lenses of God's perspective, what's impossible with God? Nothing. What storm can He not overcome? None. Right? And and so Jesus says, it's your perspective is what really makes all the difference as to whether you see clearly in life or whether you see cloudy in life. Whether you make statements that are filled with hope or whether you make statements that says, I just don't know how, I don't see, I'm not sure. Okay? Are we tracking okay? Alright. Well, today we're going to look at an amazing miracle in Mark chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can click to uh, flip to uh, Mark chapter 8. But let's just go over your outline real quick. Hopelessness is seeing life without God. Okay? If you want to boil it down and you talk to somebody who's hopeless, you can just, you can, they can say they believe, they can say they come to church, they can say whatever they want to say, but the reality is they're living life as if God doesn't exist. Okay? It's what, it's what you can do. To overcome hopelessness, is to see life with spiritual eyes or God's perspective in what God can do. Alright? We got that? And it's an important part to kind of get a hold of and begin to understand. So in Mark chapter 8, here's kind of a neat thing that takes place. Let me set the context and we'll jump into it. Jesus has been in, in the ministry, or his earthly ministry, for around three years. He's healed people. He's done all kinds of amazing miracles. Crowds of people are following him. He has people who love him, and then he has the religious leaders who don't like him. And so here they come in. He just performed the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. And the religious leaders are going to come to him and they're going to try to trick him into some type of complicated question and somehow get him to admit something or whatever. I don't know what it is. But he kind of gets tired of their stuff. And so he decides to kind of pack up his disciples. They get on a boat and then they begin to leave that area. And in that boat ride, Jesus is going to share with them Some questions, or some some miracles in which he performed, because we'll see that there's a misunderstanding that they have. There's a miracle that takes place. And then at the end of his journey, he is going to ask them a clarifying question. Now, let me just kind of say this. The whole miracle is for them to understand and see life through God's perspective. The whole miracle is so that their life wouldn't be cloudy but it would be clear. That they would not have the, I'm not sure how, I don't know if I see, okay? And He's going he's to do this whole thing through, to walk them through this, so that they completely understand. The disciples are not the sharpest guys on the earth at that time, okay? So, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 8, verse 13. You ready? Here we go. Then He left with them, Going back into the boat, he crossed to the other side. Verse 14, the disciples had forgotten to bring bread except for one loaf that they had with them in the boat. Okay, so they have one loaf of bread. Don't know how old it is. <clears throat> verse 15, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod, verse 16. They discussed this with one another and said, it is because... We have no bread, okay? So Jesus Jesus says, be cautious about the yeast of the Pharisees and watch out for Herod. And they're going, well, he must have asked that question because we only brought one loaf of bread. And how can we worry about yeast when we don't even really have much bread to be even concerned about? And so Jesus uses a metaphor... Okay, to teach them about seeing life through God's perspective, and they're thinking he's talking about a a piece of bread, actual piece of bread. Verse 17. Aware of their discussions, Jesus asked them, "Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not what is it? See, are you still not able to see what we're talking about here and what's taking place?" Or understand, are your hearts hardened? Verse 18. Do you have have eyes but fail to see? Do you have ears but fail to hear? And then in verse 18, he's going to give them a quiz. Alright? So here's the quiz. Verse 18. Or verse 19. When I broke the five loaves uh, for the five thousand, how many baskets uh, of pieces did you pick up? And they had the answer. Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves to feed the 4,000, how many baskets of pieces did, did, uh, did you pick up? And they answered, seven. Okay, so they got that right. That was good. All right, they had the answer, but they still weren't able to see clearly what was taking place. Verse 21, And he said to them, Do you still not understand? okay. So let's just kind of get the idea. Here they are in a boat. Jesus just said, Remember the 5,000? Yep, how many baskets? Remember the 4,000? Yep, how many baskets? All right? And are you looking at life through my perspective? They don't get it. They're, They're completely missing it in your outline. Every miracle has a message in it. Jesus does not perform miracles just because it's something cool to do, He doesn't do things without a purpose. In the miracle there is a message and that message needs to be kind of pulled out and then applied into our lives so that we understand what takes place. So he's going to talk about multiplying the bread in their life and they're spiritually blind. They still do not see exactly what's taking place in their life. In your outline, blindness is a metaphor for a closed mind. Blindness is a metaphor for... For a closed mind. So, whenever we see the, the idea of uh, someone being blind, it's typically a, uh, uh, not a necessarily a physical thing, as he uses it metaphorically speaking, about spiritually being closed minded to God. It's like they're living their life for themselves, they are not interjecting God into their life, they're not looking through the lenses of God, they are doing it completely on their own. Okay, And this is exactly where the disciples are at. They're looking at life, and Jesus says, "Do you not see this? You are still missing the point you're completely missing what's taking place. Back to your my little statement here. Optimism is what you think you can do. Hope is what you think God can do. Optimism is what you think you can do. That's being someone close minded, right? Would you agree with that? Hope is what you think. God can do okay now let's pause for a moment so what causes in our life and even as believers we can have this struggle he's pointing this out to the disciples what in our life can cause us not to see clearly what are the causes let's take a look what keeps me from seeing clearly in life number one is my prideful self you agree with that So he says to them, in verse 15, he says, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. What does yeast do to bread? Puffs it up. And how much yeast do you need to put in bread for it to rise? Just a little pinch. And if you put too much in it, it blows it up completely, right? And, And so again, metaphorically speaking, the yeast represents pride or arrogance through Scripture. And so as he talks about it, he's not talking about the bread, the the piece of bread that they have in the boat. He's talking about someone who's being filled with pride, which is what the Pharisees were. They were filled with themselves. They didn't look at life through the perspective of God. They looked at life through their own eyes and from the law, right? And they had created all these different things. And so when we are filled with hopelessness, It typically means that we are filled with ourselves. Now, let me share this with you. If someone is going through a difficult time, and if this has happened once, it's happened to me a bazillion times. Someone's going through a tough time in life. Hey, Pastor Dan, can we meet? Let's talk. We get together, we talk, they share their story. And, and then I start talking about, well, you know, you need to draw closer to the Lord. You need to be dependent on Him. You need to surrender. you got to turn your ways to Him. you got to rely on Him, blah, blah, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. They want out of their situation, but they're not willing to surrender. They want God to rescue them, but they're not willing to let go of themselves. And so when you look, it doesn't matter. If you find a person who's filled with hopelessness, you would think to yourself, how could they be filled with pride? That's it. They're not willing to release themselves and turn themselves over to the Lord. They're not willing to do that. So they look at life through me, myself, and I. And the situations and the circumstances and the storms in their life overwhelm them. Because they're looking through the lenses of me, myself, and I. How can I overcome it? I can't see my way. What's my next move? Where am I going to live? How am I going to deal with finances? And they're filled with themselves. Now, getting them to strip that away and get to it is a, sometimes a difficult process because they don't see that. So, even in their brokenness, they can be filled with themselves. And so so Jesus points out to them. He says, hey, watch out for the yeast, the prideful self that you have in your life because that's going to prevent you from seeing clearly. Your mind is made up. You're not open to God. Number two is uh, my short-term thinking. My short-term thinking. Verse 16, and they discussed with one another and said it must be because we have no bread. That's why Jesus is talking about yeast, because we don't have any bread. And here they are. They're focused on the here and now. What's for lunch? And Jesus wants to speak to them about life. Okay? And so whenever we live our life and we're stuck on the convenience or the comfort of today, we are going to have a cloudy vision because the Lord is more interested in changing your character than He is giving you comfort. Okay? Okay? And so the disciples are talking about what's for lunch, the, t- the disciples are talking about happiness, they're talking about success, and he's talking about holiness, surrendering, and he's talking about life issues. They want to talk about bread, he wants to talk about behavior. They want to talk about, uh, they want to talk about meat, you know, what's for lunch type of thing, he wants to talk about maturity. And so when you meet again a person who's uh, who's filled with hopelessness in their life, they're surrounded with themselves, and they have a very short-term thinking. They're thinking about just today, just this situation, just right now. okay And this is why, and we'll come to this in a few weeks, this is why folks who feel desperate will make unethical decisions in their life because they don't see a way out, and so they're willing to compromise their morals and their ethics to try to find a way out of their situation. Okay? Cuz they have very short-term thinking. They're thinking about the here and now. They're not talking they're not thinking about future. <clears throat> Number 3 is my short-term memory. Does anyone have any memory problems? Now where was I? Verse 18. He says, "Don't you remember all right. Don't you remember? Now think about this. This is kind of comical actually. They got a loaf of bread. They're wondering if Jesus is talking about not having enough for food. He reminds them about feeding 5,000. He reminds them about feeding 4,000. He quizzes them how many baskets, right? And, and that word actually doesn't mean like a little basket. It means like a big basket. Right? And how many baskets did you pick up? And and they're stuck on they're stuck on how many pieces of bread. And and you know, Jesus doesn't say it, but maybe I can interject it. He's probably thinking, Are you kidding me? Are you are you not getting it? I just remind I mean, we just left that. And you're going, I've only got one piece of bread. What are we gonna do? That's much what he's talking about. What are we gonna eat? And he's like, Hello. Remember? But isn't it true in our life we can do the same thing? Isn't it true that God can rescue us and pull us out? And a few weeks or a few days or a few minutes later, right? We can start getting all nervous. Because what about and how are we going to and all this other stuff? Isn't it interesting how you're able to forget, whether it be willfully or what, but you're, you forget the past miracles in the past, blessings that you have in your life, and, and, and you just kind of move forward. And whenever you start thinking about the future without remembering the blessings from the past, fear will come into your life. Because I don't know if you know, if you know this or not, you don't know what tonight holds for you, nor tomorrow, nor do I. But do we know the one who knows tonight and tomorrow? Right. And so when we're looking at life through our perspective boy, all of a sudden we start getting a cloudy vision. And so if you're here today, let me just kind of say this. If you're here today and you you feel like there's an area of your life where you feel hopeless. Let me just say to you, you're looking through the wrong set of lenses in your life. You're looking through your lenses. You're looking through your me, myself and I lenses. And you and you have forgot what Jesus has done in the past And you're thinking about the here and now and what he can do. Now, let's just kind of take this in. Let's say you have a a marital problem. And you look at your relational problem through your set of eyes, through your lenses. Can you fix it? No. Because if you could, you already would have. If you're struggling struggling with an addiction, can you overcome it? No. Because if you could, you already would have. Can you fix a wayward kid that's making bad choices in life? No, because if you just thought screaming was good enough and that would straighten him out, he already or she already would have been making good choices. Right? So, so you can't fix it. You keep trying, but you can't. Right? And so when you're looking through your set of lenses, hopelessness, man, just, oh, just overcomes us in our life. Right. And, and and that's why, as we, we talked about a little bit last week, when you're filled with hopelessness, you run from responsibilities because you don't see a fix to it. I quit. I'm out of here. I'm done. You lose perspective of your life because you feel like you're sinking. So abandon ship. And you just kind of give up too quickly. When hardships come, it's everyone else's fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault, their fault. That next, my dad, my grandfather, my uncle, my teacher, my whatever's fault, right? And, and, and then when you're filled with hopelessness, and here's the interesting thing: when you're filled with hopelessness, you make desperate decisions or unhealthy decisions that compound your problem and make it worse. Is that true? You ever talk with somebody, it's like, how did you think that was a good idea? Well, I didn't know what else to do. So I thought if I just did blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, man, how are we going to fix that? Well, that isn't all. Let me tell you what I just did on the way over here. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Great. How about if we just call a timeout and go to your room for a little while? We'll figure this mess out. But this is a train wreck. Right, And that's true. When you're filled with hopelessness, that's exactly what happens. You make one bad choice after another bad choice after another because you're looking at life through your own eyes. Okay, This is Jesus' whole point to his disciples. Ephesians chapter 1. So where do we get the hope from? Here's a great verse that we can all memorize. I pray that the eyes of your heart, you didn't know you had eyes in your heart, did you? I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Now, he's not talking about vision. He's talking about spiritual perspective. Right? That's what he's talking about. He's talking about spiritual uh, perspective in your life. He says, in order that you may know the... uh, In order that you may know the... Good. All right. We're tracking. That's good. The hope to which he has called you. And so, as Paul writes to the church, he says, listen, I pray that your eyes would be open, that your perspective would be increased as you look through the eyes of God, the hope that you have in which he has called you in your life. So Jesus, Jesus comes to his disciples... He says, 5,000, you remember that? Yep, basket's full. Yep, 4,000, yep, you remember that? Basket's full. You know, I'm I'm the one. Be careful for pride. Don't give me the short-term thinking. Don't give me the short-term memory issues that you're all wrestling with. uh, I I want you to see life through the eyes of God. And the disciples don't get it. So here's the cool thing. So Jesus goes, okay, I think you fellas need to see a miracle. So we're going to take you to a blind guy, and we 're going to heal a blind guy in a unique way, and my jesus message and lesson to us as it was to his disciples that they would see life from his perspective this isn 't about a miracle for miracle's sake, right He, he heals the guy um, that 's awesome, but there is a lesson and a message in the miracle. For him to do, so he's going to teach them how hopelessness fades, and how to see life through the eyes of the spirit or from God's perspective. So let's take a look in your outline. You know, I guess did we read Mark uh, chapter eight verse twenty-two? Here we'll read it. They came to Bethsaida, and some of the people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Verse twenty-three. He took the blind man by the hand and he led him outside, okay? So here's how hopelessness fades in our life. Number one, when someone cares about you. Now this has kind of a dual meaning for us today. One, you need to make sure as a Christ follower that you care about people who feel hopeless in their life. Maybe there's a person that you need to invite to the series that needs to come And learn what true hope is. Not optimism. But what true hope is. Right? And if you're going through a tough time in your life. You need to make sure that you have someone who's a Christ follower. Who can come alongside of you. And kind of help you through the mess in which you're gone. But we begin to see hopelessness fade when someone cares. The people brought the blind man to Jesus. Number two. When you get close to Jesus. He took the the blind man by the hand. <clears throat> so Jesus, the this blind man's led to Jesus. Jesus takes him by the hands and, and he begins to lead him. Now let me, let me just say, hopelessness does not fade with rituals, with religions, and with rules. It fades with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? The Pharisees wanted all the r- rules and regulations. And Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and in order to have that hopelessness peel away from your life, you need to be drawn near to Christ in your life. And that's why I told you, the person that's filled with themselves, it's yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. And as Pastor Dan, I just keep saying, hey, you need to depend on, you need to trust, you need to rely on, you need to go closer to, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. You know what? You're never going to have hope Until you finally get rid of the me, myself, and I and allow Jesus to come close to you. Okay? Number three, the third thing is when you trust Him to lead you, when you trust Jesus to lead you, Jesus takes the blind man by the hand and He leads him. Now, when you put yourself in the blind man's uh, shoes there for a moment, He has no idea where He's going. He doesn't have any idea how long he's going to be away. And in reality, he probably knew little of Jesus other than he was a miracle worker. And again, that is an illustration of what it is to walk by faith. That the blind man grabs allows Jesus to grab his hand and he allows him, Jesus, to lead his life. As long as you're living through your lenses you will always have hopeless times in your life. If you are not willing to surrender and submit and allow Jesus to grab your hand and walk you along on that faith journey, you will always have moments and times and seasons in your life where you are filled with hopeless situations in your life. Okay? And so you've got to allow Him to grab a hold of you and begin to walk. And so it begins to fade when you have someone who cares, when you get close to Jesus, and when you allow Him to, to lead you in your life. Verse 23. And then He does some kind of amazing things. It's a little, bit, a little bit gross, but you guys already ate breakfast, right? Not really? Good. Thanks for telling me that. Then I'll, I'll just kind of make it even worse. Here we go. Verse 23. <laughs> when He had spit... On the man's eye. And that, that sounds encouraging, right? Yeah? It's <clears throat> so a little bit gross. He spits on the man's eye, verse 23. And remember that this is an object lesson. There's a purpose and a meaning behind it. He doesn't do miracles just for miracle's sake. Okay? So he's doing something for a reason. All right? And it's unique. It's the only time in all of recorded history that he does this kind of miracle with a blind person. He heals many blind guys, but this is the only time he does it this way. So he spits on the man's eyes. He puts his hand on him, verse 23. He put his hands on him and he asked him, do you see anything? Verse 24, he looked up and he said, the blind man looked up and he said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. So he went from completely blind to partially blind. He can see shapes, he can see figures, he can see movement. But he does not see completely clearly. Okay? And this is, again, this is a unique thing that Jesus does with this particular person. Verse 25. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Verse 26. Jesus um, sent him home saying, do not go into the village, okay? So, again, a unique miracle, and it's done in a unique way to teach us. Remember, the goal of what Jesus is trying to teach is how we see through the eyes of God in our life. Are we following that? So here we go. In your outline. When you get close and trust Jesus to lead you, number one, your spiritual vision grows in stages. Okay, your spiritual vision grows in stages. The whole miracle wasn't about healing a blind man to be able to see. The whole miracle was to teach the disciples how to see through the eyes of God and God's perspective. That's the whole thing. Remember, he says, and do you not see? Are you not getting it? Remember the 5,000, the 4,000? Huh? Huh? The yeast of the Pharisees, yourself, short-term memory, short-term thinking, you're not able to see. And so he leads them to this this blind guy. He heals him in stages. Now, when we think about seeing spiritually or spiritual growth in your life, we would all admit that we do grow in stages, don't we? When you cross the line and you invite Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, are you completely mature in your faith? No. Do you see everything completely clearly through his eyes? No, right? Because it, 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 I wish there was a pill. There was I could just give it to you on Lord's Supper Day and you would take the pill and you all would be mature. That would be awesome if we could do that. But it isn't. Because we grow in stages and we grow in seasons. And that's why we have journey classes. Because in journey, the journey classes, they are designed to help you grow in seasons or in stages of your walk. All right? And that's why it's important that we kind of understand what that is. And so he sees them, he heals them in, in stages. First he touches them, partially sees. Then he touches again, he's completely able to see. Number two in your outline. When you see life from God's perspective, there are three ways that we find that we begin to see. The first one is, your focus gets sharper. Okay, So as he leads me in my life... And I begin to grow in my spiritual walk. I begin to see and it begins a little bit sharper, a little bit sharper. And it says in the verse, it says, when his eyes were open, in the Greek it means to fix his sight or it means to look intently or to look with purpose. Alright? So when, when he finally sees completely, he's able to see, he's able to see in a kind of a sharper way. He has a sharper vision of what's taking place. And again, back to the idea that Jesus is pounding away to his disciples. How you look at life through what lenses you look through is whether you're going to be filled with hope or whether you're going to be filled with hopelessness in your life. It's all your perspective on how you look. And as we allow Jesus to walk with us, and as we begin to trust Him, and we submit to Him, and we get rid of me, myself, and I, and we become more of the Christ follower, our vision begins to grow sharper. The second idea is this. Our perspective gets larger. We begin to see completely. It says His, his sight was restored. He had complete vision In his life. And again, as we surrender and as we submit our life to him, life begins to make more sense. Not because you're smarter, but because you're seeing life through him and you're thinking life through him. Okay? And so we look at life and we look at, when we look at me, myself, and I, we go through hardships and the first thing we holler out to God is, why? Right? Because we're looking at life through our perspective. God is more interested about your character than He is your comfort. Okay? So put that in the back of your mind when you're going through a difficult time. Is He using it to shape and mold you? In your life? And so as we walk with Him and as we trust Him, our perspective gets larger. The third one is, your vision about life gets clearer. It gets clearer in your life. And it goes on, He says, and He saw everything Clearly, your focus and your framework begins to grow larger. But when we're walking with my me, myself, and I, when we're walking with our short-term thinking, when we're walking with what's convenient and all what's easiest, and we forgot the past blessings from God, then our life is going to be filled. And Jesus says, these guys aren't getting it. And so he takes them to a blind man. And he says, watch this. Do you see? I see shapes. Do you see? Ah, I see everything clearly now. And the whole point is not the blind man. The whole point is that his disciples understand how to see life through God's perspective. And so he comes back to them and he asks them a clarifying question. Verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the village around Cicere Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say that I am? Verse 28. They replied, Some say you're John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist at this time's head had been taken off. Okay? So, so he's saying, Some people would believe that you're the guy that got beheaded, which is interesting. Others say <clears throat> that you're, you're Elijah, who's 900 years before Christ. And others of use, others say that you're the prophets who were all dead. Now, isn't it interesting that people would be willing to believe that a guy could be has head taken off, that, that 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 a guy could be 900 years old and been dead long 900 years ago, or you could be a prophet and be dead, right? They're willing to believe that, but they're not willing to believe that he is the son of God. Isn't it interesting? And even in our world today, Jesus is a great teacher. Jesus is a great prophet. Jesus is a, is a wonderful uh, uh, you know, person who has great wisdom. He's the Son of God. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, that's getting a little too far now. Right? So it's just kind of interesting how they push back. And so he asked them this question. And they answer everything. Verse 29, what about you? To his disciples, what about you? He asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Christ. Now here, here's this, remember, the whole miracle, the whole miracle was about seeing life through Christ's eyes. The whole, that was the whole miracle. Wasn't a blind guy, that was cool, the guy's need got met, his family was great, wonderful but it was to make sure that they understood how to see life and who Jesus was. Look with me in your outline. And this is a key take-home part. How I see Jesus, how you see Jesus, determines your hope and it determines the clarity of everything else in your life. So how I see Jesus determines my hope and how clearly I see everything else. Okay, now now let's just pause for a second. If Jesus is somewhat important to you, your life is going to be filled with hopeless times. If He isn't the Christ of your life, the Messiah of, the, of your life, the Lord of your life, if He doesn't have the Lordship of your life, then He's not enough in your life. You will have the struggle with me, myself, and I. And when hardships come and storms come and difficult seasons come in your life, you're going to see life from from your perspective you're not going to see him for who he is and these guys are on a boat and they'd spent 3 years with Jesus and they're thinking about bread he's thinking about behavior they're thinking about lunch he's speaking he's thinking about life they see life from their perspective one loaf of bread He's saying, you guys are completely missing it. You're completely missing it. That when you see life through the eyes of Christ, your whole perspective changes. Because when you look at somebody who's having physical problems, what's possible with God? Everything. He could do anything he wants to do. When you look at a marriage that's broke, a kid that's making bad choices, a career that's stalled when you're not sure of what the next choice is, if you're looking at life with me, myself, and I, hopelessness is going to fill your life. It's going to consume you. And you will never see clearly because the reality is you don't know what you're going to eat for lunch, let alone what the next 15 years of your life holds. But God knows. He knows your future. He knows your 15 years from now, he knows you're 15 minutes from now. And so they come to him and and, and he asks them, who do you say I am? I am the Christ. You are the Christ, Lord. Next step for many of you in your outline. You need to increase your time in prayer and your Bible reading. Some of you, that's the next step. Because you are stuck at me, myself, and I until you surrender and submit until you allow Him to grab your hand and lead you on that faith journey, you will be stuck at me, myself, and I. Let's pray. Father, as we pause for a moment and just allow our hearts to be spoken into by Your Spirit, Lord, I pray that if there's a person here Who does not know you? They've relied on rules and regulations and rituals, but they've never entered into that relationship with you. I pray, God, that your spirit would speak into their heart. And if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity to do so. We do a little ABC thing, and I'll lead you in a prayer that you'll silently say. But A is admit that we're sinners, we're all sinners. B is believe that Jesus is the Christ. He's the Son of God that He died on a cross and that He rose again. And see is to confess Him as your Lord and Savior. And if your desire is to move into that personal relationship with Christ, silently just repeat these words after me. Not out loud, silently. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I admit that I'm a sinner, that I made mistakes. I live my own life. I've done my own thing. And today I believe that You are the Christ, the Son of God, That you died on the cross and that you rose again. And today I confess you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for pursuing me. Lord, thank you for loving me. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, my prayer is that each of us today would look at life not from our own perspective, but from your perspective. May we, may we be reminded of this simple, amazing miracle, yet profound in our life. That you desire for us to live our life and to see our life through your perspective and through your lenses. Father, help us to do that. As we come into difficult times and seasons in our life that are obstacles and so forth in our life that cause us problem. May we not look at them of what we can do, but what you can do in and through our life. And Father, we give you all the praise. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said...